Good morning, everyone. Welcome to Whitburn Pentecostal Church. Great to have you here today. And uh, I hope that you enjoy being in church today. I hope that if you've joined us online that you're going to enjoy being in church in a slightly different way. But it's great to be here. If you're visiting with us, a warm welcome. Uh, Glad that you're here with us. And uh, hopefully those who are online will be able to just hang in there all the way through to the end of the service today. No distractions, no cups of tea. But um, there's certainly not going to be any distractions in here today other than hopefully uh, the Holy Spirit coming and and really moving amongst us today and just really speaking to our hearts. We need the Holy Spirit. God is a spirit. We're going to think about that in just a short while amongst other things. And he lives, he, the Holy Spirit lives in us when we know him. It's just incredible. And so we have that privilege. We have that incredible knowledge of God in us and we're going to stand, we're going to, if you're able to stand, that is, you don't need to keep standing all the way through um, if you're not able. But if you are, then just let's really go for it and worship today. And let's really praise God through the songs uh, that have been picked out for us. Thanks to the guys who are helping today. We have so many of our uh, folks away today, and some of our team away today. And so if there are little glitches, well, you just need to be forgiving if that's okay. But let's stand and let's really worship our God today. Father, we thank you that you are in this place. Your Holy Spirit is in this very room today. Father, we we just get so uh, mesmerized by this. Father, the, the God who created the universe and everything that's in it, the God who created this world is in this very room, is living in our hearts today. And Father, we just pray that you would stir up your own spirit within us today to worship. Father, we, we read in John 4 that uh, God is spirit and those who worship him must worship in spirit and in truth. And so, Father, we pray that your Holy Spirit would come and enable us to worship you today in spirit and in truth. Father, the word says, your, your word says that you inhabit the praises of your people. You come and you live in our praise. And so, Father, we just pray that you would just do that very thing today as we begin to praise you that we would experience your presence in such a special way. Father, we just pray that you bless and anoint this service. Father, everyone who engages with this, whether today or or at a later date, Father, we just pray that you would help us to really experience your presence as we gather today. In Jesus' name we ask, and for his glory. Amen.
Father, we just recognize that Jesus is the very epicenter of why we're here. He is the cornerstone of our faith, of our lives, the cornerstone of our beliefs, the things that we say that we believe and the things that we actually believe when we put them into practice. He is the cornerstone of everything. He's the cornerstone of our faith, the cornerstone of our hope. And Father, we recognize that we can't we can't do this Christian life on our own strength. But but as we sang in that song earlier, not by I, but through Christ in me. And Father, we thank you that it's through Jesus in us that we are able to do the things that we are able to do in order to worship you, in order to live this Christian life. And Lord, we just pray uh, that you would just come and really speak to us and that you would challenge us at the very core of our being, challenge us at a, a real heart level today. Because, Father, when we look at Jesus, we recognize what he has done for us. We recognize just what he has brought into our lives, that he has brought us into connection with you through his work on the cross, through his blood which was shed for us, through that sacrifice which was for our sin. And, Father, we thank you that we can walk in freedom because of what Jesus has done for us. And Father, I just pray that each of us who are gathered here, whether in person or online today, maybe those who are listening to this message, this service after that will have uh, been broadcast, Father, we pray that your Holy Spirit would come and speak to us and that you would stir something up within us. Holy Spirit, we invite you to, to come and to speak and to move and to do your things. Father, we can't invent these things. We can't make them happen. We don't have the strength to make them happen. It's not within us to make them happen, but Father, we thank you that, that you're able to do the impossible things. And so, Father, that's why we come to you today. And Lord, we just remember those who are in need today. Father, those who have physical needs, needs in their bodies, Father, we just bring them before you. Father, we think of Mark, uh, Mark Hind, and Father, we ask that your hand would be upon him. Lord, that you would cause him to recover fully. And Father, that you just bring healing to flow in his body. And Father, I pray for his wife, Sharon, and his daughter, Faith. And Lord, I just pray that your strength would rest on that family, their extended family. And Father, that you would just be at work in them. Father, we remember uh, Jeff from our own congregation. And Father, we ask that your hand would be upon him. Lord, that you just bring strength into his body. And Father, just bring hope into his heart and into his mind. And Father, I just pray that you, your spirit would just rest upon him today and that he would know your presence. Father, I just pray for strength for that whole family. And Lord, may they just know your presence at work in them. Father, we pray for Heather as well. Lord, we just pray. She, she needs that, that final breakthrough from you. And Father, we just pray for that final breakthrough, Father. Lord, that would bring her into a place of complete restoration and health. Lord, many others in this congregation today who need uh, a touch in their body from you, a touch in their mind, a touch in their spirit. Father, we're all coming uh, to this point today from different uh, things which have happened to us during the week, things which have been on our mind, maybe things that have been concerning us, Father, things that have affected us. And uh, Lord, we just pray that you would just speak to us. Lord, we think of this family who've been bereaved this week. Father, in such a tragic way. And Lord, we just pray strength upon that family. Lord, may they know your presence in such a special way. Lord, our, our country, just in our country, we need you. We need you, Father. We, we see our country moving further and further away from you. 
But Father, that's the last thing that we need. What we really need is to be moving towards you. And Father, allowing you to be at work in our society and in our culture and our communities. Father, we need you to be more at work. And so, Lord, I pray for the church today. Lord, I pray that you breathe upon your church in this nation. And Father, that you'd cause your church to rise up. Father, that you'd cause your church to be a voice that will bring hope into the the, uh, society in which we live today. Father, may we speak words of hope. And so, Father, we pray, stir us up to to speak the things which are on your heart. Lord, we we just pray uh, also for Margaret, uh, Joanna Domingo's sister. And, Lord, we don't know what the latest situation is there. But, Father, we just pray strength into that whole situation. And, Lord, we just pray that you just minister your peace and that your grace would be so tangible, that your peace would be so tangible in that situation. For Joanna and Ron, who are so far away, Lord, we just pray that you would just strengthen them and comfort them. And Lord, for this whole family, Lord, we just lift them before you in our prayers today. And we just say that we're standing alongside these folks. Lord, those who've been praying for today, Father, we're standing alongside these folks. And Lord, we are interceding on their behalf. And Lord, we just pray today, Lord, we've, as I've said before, all come from different things that have been going on in our lives. And Father, we just ask that you would come and speak to us as we open up your word in just a moment or two. In Jesus' name we ask. Amen. 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 Thank you to the guys who've been leading us today. So it's great to be here. Welcome if you're visiting with us. It's so good that you're here. Um, so many people away this weekend on holiday. I hadn't actually anticipated how many of our team wouldn't be here either. Um, but there you go. Uh, we're here and we're here to worship God and we've been doing that. And uh, I don't know about you, I've been loving the, the words of the songs that we've been singing. Um, I do need to do this whole kind of photograph thing for the track and trace. They are deleted after 21 days. Give me a wee second. Just trying to make sure I catch things because I've got a tendency to move my camera move my phone while I'm taking the picture and then it's just fuzz and blah but yeah so just a reminder that at the end of the month we'll have Lisa Ruth Lyle speaking in the church here I'm so looking forward to uh, welcoming Lisa into the church she's been here before but not on a Sunday service she's been here before when we've been doing jump for the day and you know this church has been filled with a hundred plus you know primary school kids jumping up and down and it was just um, amazing so Lisa helped us to get that started off And I'm really uh, praying that Lisa speaks to us and she has a word for the church as we think about working with the the young people and the children. So looking forward to that. Just just a reminder that Monday we meet for prayer at 9.30 on Zoom in the morning and 7.30 on the Wednesday night on Zoom again. So uh, looking forward to that. If you've never been baptised, we want to open up the tank and do a baptismal service. So if you've never been baptised, you've... Uh, become a Christian, but you've never taken that step of uh, being baptized, then, the, you know, I will talk about that hopefully soon. Um, and uh, yeah, yeah, just if you've never been baptized, come and let me know. We want to have a baptismal service. Also, if you're not a member of the church, we're going to be running a membership series of membership classes. So let me know if you want to be involved in that. And just a reminder that the, we, we are involved with Samaritan's Purse and the Shoebox Appeal if you want to find out more information about it, you can speak to me at the end or you can email appeals at whitburnpentecostal.com and uh, Tracy will answer your questions. Hopefully Tracy's joining us online today. 
Um, but yeah, it's, uh, it's great that we can sow a seed, a financial and physical seed into somebody's life that can have such an amazing impact. And so, yeah, let's, let's really support, let's get behind this because it's not just a shoebox, it's about changing a life. That's what it's about. And the shoeboxes can be part of that process of seeing somebody's life transformed. I'm just going to pray just for a little second because I need to do that. Okay? And pray that God really speaks to us through his word. So, Father, we just pray for your anointing on the speaker today. We pray for your anointing in the word. We pray for your anointing in our ears. And, Father, we just pray that your spirit would come and open up our understanding today to really learn something of you, to understand something of you, to be challenged by you, to be comforted perhaps by you. Lord, we just pray whatever we need today that your Holy Spirit would come and move amongst us for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Is everybody okay? Are you still with me? Good, just checking, just checking. Um, We've been going through a little series of messages over the last uh, number of weeks uh, looking at the church, what is the church, and we thought about seven pictures of the church which we see in the book of Ephesians. We thought about five different types of leadership gift in the church, and we also thought about how it's not just necessarily for leaders, but we can be those leaders in wherever God places us. We thought about the church gathered, the importance of church gathered, and we were in the book of Hebrews for that. And last week, we thought about this subject of fear and how perfect love throws fear outside. And I, I don't know about you, I, I just I love that, uh, that whole idea that when God's love lives in us, it throws fear outside. And today, I just want to spend a little bit of time thinking about perfect love, because the scripture that we looked at was that perfect love throws fear outside. I don't know about you, there are times when we get fearful, there are times when things are happening which we feel are out with our control. And what I want to focus today is, is we thought about the kind of fear aspect last week. This week, I want to think about the, the perfect love aspect that when that lives in us, it throws fear outside. And so I'm going to talk about this subject of love. And as I have been preparing for today, I have felt like a very small person handling and trying to understand a very, very big subject. Uh, Because the Bible says that God is love. It's one of the passages that's in the Bible. We'll read that passage in just a little minute. God is love. And if we're to write that a different way, this is what it would look like. For those who are into mathematics and formulas, this is what it would look like. God equals love. It's the same thing. God equals love, and we're going to think about that. And I I just hope that something of the, the absolute magnitude of this phrase, God is love, rubs off on us today and has an effect on us. So let's just read uh, the passage of Scripture. If you want to turn to 1 John chapter 4, we're going to read from verse 7 to verse 21. And I'm going to point something out before I start reading. This is what I'm looking at, okay? On my page here, this is what I'm looking at. Um, And as I was reading this, I highlighted in blue all the times where it mentions love. And just, you know, from verse 7 through to verse 21, We'll come on to that in a second. I'm getting ahead of myself. Um, But let's read the passage. Dear friends, that's you and I, let us love one another 
for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God because God is love. There's the first time in this series of verses that it mentions that phrase, God is love. Whoever does not love does not know God for God is love. This is how uh, God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. He's talking about Jesus. And this is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. If you're reading the King James or authorized version, it will use a big word there called propitiation. Okay, the newer translations translate that as atoning sacrifice. And what it's meaning is that Jesus has died on that cross to bear our sin, that the punishment that should have been ours was upon him. And when he died and rose again, he gave us the ability to have new life in Christ, to restore our connection with God, which had been broken through sin. And so if you're reading the authorizer, King James, that's what that means. Verse 11, let me keep reading. Dear friends, that's you and I, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us and his love is made complete in us. We know that we live in him and he in us because he has given us of his spirit. The Holy Spirit, the spirit of God lives inside of us. What an amazing thought. And we have seen and testified that the Father has sent his Son to be the Savior of the world. If anyone acknowledges that Jesus is the Son of God, God lives in him and he in God. And so we know and rely on the love God has for us. God is love. That's the second time that it uses this phrase. John uses this phrase. Whoever lives in love lives in God and God in him. In this way, love is made complete among us so that we will have confidence on the day of judgment because in this world we are like him. I want to pause there for a little second and highlight that verse. There will come a day where we will stand before God. I don't know how you picture that. Sometimes I don't even know how I picture that because the picture seems to be changing the more I get to know who God is. But there will come a day where I will stand before God and I will have no fear of judgment because perfect love throws that fear of judgment outside. Because in this world, we are like him. As he is, and God is love, as he is, so are we in this world. There is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear because fear has to do with punishment. And the one who fears is not made perfect and love. We love because he first loved us. If anyone says, I love God, yet hates his brother, he's a liar. There's a strong word. For anyone who does not love his brother whom he has seen cannot love God whom he has not seen. And he has given us this commandment. Whoever loves God must also love his brother. What an incredible passage of scripture. And I just wanted to point out in here that the word love the Greek word agape is used 26 times in this short passage, 14 times as a verb, and you remember your grammar lessons from school, 14 times as a verb, and 
12 times as a noun. A verb is something that we do, so we love. A noun is something that is, it's a name. It's, it's, this, it's actually what it is. It is love. It's not that we do love it. It's that it actually is love. And so we're going to think about uh, this passage today. The, the short passage that we read began with that phrase, beloved, depending on what translation you use, beloved, which is used twice in the passage. It's actually a derivation of that same word, agape. And I want to just clarify that in the Greek language, there are four different words that are used to describe love in its various forms. So there's, uh, there's one which is translated uh, affection, so that's one way that we can describe love. We sometimes use the word love when we're talking about affection. The second is friendship. And so we can use the word love when we're actually talking about friendship as well. The third one is eros, and I'll love, leave you, love you and leave you. Leave you, what am I saying? I'm getting mixed up. I'll let you do your own translation from Greek into English with that one. And then the fourth one, which is the word that's used repeatedly in this passage, which is agape, and it talks about self-sacrificial love. And there's this incredible short passage, and it occurs twice in this uh, reading which we did today, God is love. And there's so much meaning contained in such a tiny passage that even after studying this and thinking about this this week, I still feel I'm only at the beginning of the passage. And so it's an incredible phrase that I want to try and unpack a little bit today. And the bottom line is this, if you don't remember anything else that I have said so far, or will say afterwards, remember this, if God lives in us, love should flow out from us. If God lives in us, love should flow out from us. And I want us to think about that passage, that, that very thought today. When God lives in us, love flows out from us. I don't know, what kind of God do you believe in? What kind of God do you believe in? It's a big question, isn't it? What we think of God when we think of, or what we think, sorry, when we think of God is, is so, so important. What kind of God do you believe in? Because there's all sorts of notions about God, but the Bible, the, the, the God that I believe in is the God that the Bible talks about, the God that is demonstrated in the person of Jesus Christ. So when we want to know what God is like, Jesus says that he was the very expression of the Father. So we look at Jesus and we find out what God is like. That's the kind of God that I believe in. I also believe in the church. I don't know what you think of the church or what people in general think of the church or what society thinks of the church, but I think about the church not just as this gathering here and those who are online. I think about the church as being so much bigger, the church across the world today, billions of people strong. Where people are at in their faith, I don't know. I don't know everybody who's in the church today. But I also think about the church as it spans throughout time and history. And so when we pray the Lord's Prayer and we say, Our Father, I don't just think about our Father as in yours, 
and mine and those who are online as well. I think about the father of the church, which goes way back to the times of Jesus, and the father of those who lived before Jesus as well, those whom God is calling. And in a book called uh, The Screwtape Letters by C.S. Lewis, um, I don't know if you've ever read that book. It's really interesting. It's, it's a kind of senior uh, demon who's writing to an underling who's learning the trade of being able to stop people from becoming Christians and to disrupt the church. And, and so, uh, and so the, the senior demon is writing to the junior one, and he's talking about the church. He's trying to get somebody not to become a Christian, and he's trying to get this junior guy to distract this person by having him look at the church. And he says, He's not referring to the church as, in, as we're gathered today. And this is what C.S. Lewis says. He talks about the church as we see her spread but through all time and space and rooted in eternity. Terrible as an army with banners. That's how he describes the church. That's how the enemy looks at the church. That's why the devil is trying to stop the church from growing and to stop the church from flourishing. And how is he going to do that? He's going to get right in the middle of us and he's going to disrupt this thing called love, which should exist between us. But remember, the bottom line is this. If God lives in us, love should flow out of us. How can we say this? Let me put up one of the verses that we read there. Love has been perfected among us in this, that we may have boldness on the day of judgment because as he is, so are we in this world. As he is, so are we in this world. What did we read about in the passage? God is love. God equals love. God and love are the same thing. And it's really interesting when you start to get into the technicalities of the original language. It doesn't say that love is God. And if we think about the society that we live in, particularly if we want to use the, the Eros translation, love is God, that's where we're at today. Every time you turn on the TV or every time you look at, well, whatever, you know, it's like we've made love God. But that's not how it's written in the original language. It's written very specifically and carefully to say that God is love. And there are some themes that I wanted to just bring out of this passage over the next couple of minutes. And the first one is this, love and our knowledge of God. If you don't love, it's not that you don't know God. What this passage is saying is that you never knew God. If you don't have that self-sacrificial love flowing out from you, it's not that you don't know God. What it's saying is you never knew God to start with. And I look at the church and society, and I think there are people who say that they love God, but it's not demonstrated in their actions. That self-sacrificial love. And what John is saying here is if there's no evidence of love in your life, it's not that you don't know God, it's that God it's that you never knew God to start with. I want to encourage us to get to know God. How do we do that? We do that by surrendering our lives to Him. That's a hard thing to do. I sometimes sit alongside my son in the passenger seat of the car. I am not in the driving seat. He is in the driving seat. 
And I have been in the driving seat since I was 17 years old, right? So when all of a sudden you're in the passenger seat, you go, hey, wait a minute. I don't know that I like this. There's no brakes on this side. There's no accelerator on this side. There's no clutch. And you just have to sit and be driven about by somebody else. What I'm talking about here is inviting the Holy Spirit in to the driving seat of your life so that he is the one who's in, in charge, in control of your life. And we don't like that thought because we're fiercely independent as people. We want to take command of our own thoughts, our own lives, our own destinies. But this is where it starts. It's by surrendering control. It's about surrendering our lives to God and saying, actually, the way that I've been living, if you think about the driving analogy again, the way I've been driving isn't good. And I need you to come in and to take control of my life. That's where it starts for us. That's where we begin to know God because when we do that, it says that His Holy Spirit comes in and lives within us. And when His Holy Spirit lives within us, He takes control of our lives. And as He is, God is love. As He is, so are we in this world. Not just in the church, but in our families in our workplaces, in our schools, our colleges, our streets, wherever we find ourselves, as he is, so are we in those places. It's about loving God. Jesus said to his disciples, I'm giving you a new commandment, that you love one another just as I have loved you. There's the challenge. Not that we love one another as an affection or friendship, but that we love one another with this deep, self-sacrificing love so that you two are uh, so you two are to love one another by this everyone will know that you're my disciples if you have love and unselfish concern for one another john 13 verse 34 and 35 it's a self-sacrificial love that john is referring to and it's that love that we're talking about that's the love that throws fear outside so as we live amongst difficult situations, that's the love that throws fear outside. As we think about the day before when we stand before God, that's the love that will throw fear outside. And John talks about things which are part of God's nature. And we've thought about that here. God's nature, his very essence. And John is the only person that I see writing in the Bible who uses these phrases. And in John chapter 4, verse 24, he says, God is spirit. God is spirit. Not God is a spirit. God is spirit. Not God is like spirit or God is spiritual. God is spirit. And those who worship him must worship in spirit and in truth. God is not somebody who's confined to a body like us. He is spirit, he is immaterial, he is eternal, and he's put something within us that is also eternal. In 1 John 1 5, he says, God is light, and in him there is no darkness. Not God is a light or one light amongst many. God is light. His very nature, God is equals spirit, God equals light, his very nature. And in that light, we find knowledge, we find wisdom, we find purity of thought and life. And then lastly, in the passage that we've read today, John chapter 4, sorry, 1 John chapter 4, 
in verse 8 and in verse 16, God is love. God equals love. It's that self-giving, self-sacrificial love. And as he is, so are we in this world. God has placed his Holy Spirit within us. So God is spirit, spirit lives within us. God is light, light lives within us. God is love, love lives within us. And where there is spirit, it helps us to connect with God who is spirit and with others who are spirit and spiritual. <laughs> where there is light, God brings understanding. He helps us to see things. The spirit teaches us things. The spirit gives us an anointing. He puts something on us that helps us to understand who God is. Adjectives describe attributes, but these nouns identify the very nature of God. They're not qualities of God, qualities that God possesses. They are his very essence and being. And what John is saying is that as he is, so are we in this world. Sometimes we love other people because they love us. And often we're talking about that affection side of things, that friendship side of things. And it's very easy to love people that love you, isn't it? Yeah? It's much harder to love people who don't love you. And this is where the challenge comes. Think about Jesus for a second as I break from my notes. As Jesus walked on the earth, did everybody love Jesus? There were people who came to Jesus looking for things and got things and then left. And you think, what's going on? What's going on with these people? Don't they know who they're talking to? But the interesting thing is that Jesus never made a big deal about it. He simply loved people. He demonstrated God's love. And we love God because he first loved us. Jesus made the first move. Jesus came, and we'll think about that just in a couple of months' time. I'm not going to use the word how Jesus came to earth in the form of a tiny little human being, grew up, lived, ministered to people, and ultimately was sacrificed for our sin. Incredible. But we are encouraged to take who God is, his very essence, his very nature, and allow that to grow within us and to love others, even the people who don't love us, the people who we struggle with. And we have to love them with that self-sacrificial, self-giving love. There's a challenge. I don't know if you've ever read Jesus' teaching in Matthew 5, 6, and 7, the Beatitudes and all that stuff. And you look at it and you think, I can't do that. That's impossible for me. And as an ordinary human being, it is impossible. But we need the Holy Spirit living within us to help us to do those things. Jesus summed up the commandments when he was asked and he said this is the most important love God with all your heart soul strength and mind and the second is like it love your neighbor as yourself and I want to just stop and think about this for a little second who is your neighbor who is your neighbor and I was reading something in a devotional and it was based on some uh, something that C.S. Lewis had written so it's probably why he's in my thoughts and these words are adapted from a chapter in a book called God in the Dock, and it's entitled The Problem with X. 
the problem with X. And so from my point of view, everybody who's here today and those who are joining online are X. You are, to me, you are X, okay? <laughs> to everyone else who's here or joined online, everybody else, including me, is X. So X is anybody that is not us. And we're talking about the problem with anybody that's not us, okay? And this is what he says. God's view of things can sometimes be very different from our own. Like you, he sees how all the people in your home, job, or church are in varying degrees difficult to put up with. But when he looks into your house, office, or church, he says, one more person of the same kind, one that you never see. You! <laughs> And while we make insufficient confessions and excuses like, of course I have my faults, or I was having a bad day, what everybody else sees in you, just like you see in others, is that you have a fatal flaw that makes you just as difficult to live with. <laughs> I thought that was so good I was going to put it up on the screen and read it again. While we make insufficient confessions and excuses, like, of course I uh, have my faults, or I was having a bad day, what everybody else sees in you, just like you see in others, is that you have a fatal flaw that makes you just as difficult to live with. Wow. I, I don't know about you, I don't hear people talking about their fatal flaws very often. Maybe it's because we're blind to them and we don't see them. Maybe it's because people don't point them out. Have you ever asked anybody, what is your fatal flaw? What's, what's, what's my fatal flaw? I have the joy of being a pastor, and it feels like living in a goldfish bowl sometimes where everybody sees your fatal flaws, and I'm like, why? Why can't I just go away and hide somewhere in the wee corner of the church and, 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 and just kind of be there with my own little flaws, and, and nobody else can see them, and, and I can come in at a church on a Sunday and go back out, and, and, and I'm, nobody's none the wiser. That would be so nice. I don't hear many people talking about their fatal flaws. Not these days. And it sometimes feels to me like I live in a world where everybody's perfect except me. Do you ever feel like that? Do you ever feel like you live in a world where everybody's perfect except you? I sometimes feel like that. But that's not the reality. The reality is that we all have flaws. We all have those fatal flaws that are part of our makeup. Those things which rub other people up the wrong way. I don't know about you, I have never been in the perfect church, because as soon as I walked into it, it was imperfect. <laughs> I have never been in the perfect church, and we need to understand this. We need to understand that Jesus is the glue that joins us together. Jesus is the one that when he lives in us, we're able to demonstrate that love as he is, God is spirit, God is light, God is love, as he is, so are we in this world. And this world starts in the church, and it moves out into society as we leave church and go into wherever God has us during the week. 
And this is what it goes on to say. We must imitate God in this respect and learn to see others, sorry, learn to see ourselves and our faults as clearly as we see others and theirs. Very, very easy to see the faults in other people. And it's with this in mind that I feel challenged, challenged to love genuinely. Not just friendship, not just affection. It's easy to be friendly with those who are friendly with you. It's easy to show affection to those who show affection to you. But love in this self-sacrificial way is something quite different. What do we see when we come to church? What do you see? What do you hear? Do you see the people who sing out of tune? Or hear the people who sing out of tune? <laughs> as a few chuckles happen. If you're online, you don't need to worry. Nobody can hear you anyway. Do you see the people who are maybe putting on a bit of weight and go, oh, aye. They've put on a few pounds during lockdown, haven't they? Or the people who dress a little bit funny. And that pastor who keeps wearing loud shirts. Or the shoes that squeak as somebody's walking along. <laughs> I find that a distraction. And the odd things that we see in each other, because we are all genuinely unique, and sometimes we can be quite odd. And the people who God is trying to get into the church and become Christians look at us and probably go, they're an odd bunch. <laughs> Have you ever been in that church on a Sunday? <laughs> and one of the tactics of Satan, the devil, our adversary these days is to make Christianity look odd, unsophisticated, and judgmental. Listen to the way people are talking about the church these days, particularly the militant atheists, the Bible, uh, sorry, the apologists sort of use this phrase, new atheists these days. Listen to what they're saying about the church. And it's a tactic of the devil to get us looking uh, odd, unsophisticated, and judgmental. We can be quite odd sometimes, can't we? But hopefully not unsophisticated. We're supposed to be being transformed through the renewing of our minds. God doesn't say when you become a Christian, you throw out your mind. Some of the people that I love to listen to are the most intelligent, clever people who are very humble at the same time and love God and are professors in universities and are able to argue with X, <laughs> somebody else. But we, we need to live out something different as the church so that when we look at each other, we're not going, they look a bit odd today. Have you seen what that person's wearing today? <laughs> Did you hear that person singing out of tune today? Did you hear that guitarist play a bum chord today? That didn't sound very good. And it didn't come out very good online as I know it sometimes doesn't because I've heard it. But we can be so quick to judge one another when the reality is that we all have those flaws, those things within us which mar the image of God in us. Because as he is, so are we in this world. I've almost finished. I would encourage us to watch out for things like ego, Self, I, my, me, mine, pride, boasting, even flattery. 
because these things can be a breeding ground for fear. If we become so consumed with ourselves and what people think about us, it's a breeding ground for fear. But the Bible says that where perfect love is, it casts out all fear. And when we have the love of God in us, it takes our focus away from ourselves, away from the oddities of ourselves and sometimes others as well, and focuses us on God. And I kind of liken it to a sponge. This is what we can be like. How much water can you put in a sponge that's already full? That wasn't a rhetorical question. How much water can you put in a sponge that's already full? None. You can't put anything into a sponge that's already full. But if you take that sponge and you wring it out, it's still a bit damp, but it's able to soak up water again. I wish I had a sponge. I could demonstrate it. And that's what we're like. We need to be wrung out. We need to be squeezed out. We need to have ourselves become less. I, my, me, mine, ego, all these things. We need that squeezed out, and we've got to do it. Can I encourage us? The Bible says, humble yourselves. Don't ever pray, God, make me humble. Never pray that. Do not pray that. I warn you now, do not pray that prayer, because he will. He'll answer it. Humble yourself. Squeeze out self self-will, pride, ego, squeeze it out of your life as you come before God and allow the Holy Spirit to come in and to saturate you so that when people come into contact with you and they rub up against you, what's coming out? Not self, not ego, not self-will, not pride, all these things. What's coming out when people rub up against you is love because God is love. God equals love. And if love lives in you, let love flow out of you. Here in the church, or wherever you find yourselves after church today, Monday morning, wherever you find yourself, I want to encourage us to be the people who are so filled with love, and God is love, to be filled with God, because our society desperately needs it. We need that revelation of God as spirit. We need that revelation of God as light. We need that revelation of God as love. And the world in which we live in today needs that revelation. The only way that the church, that the world is going to see that is if the church rises up to be all that God calls it to be. We need to get over ourselves. And I'm going to finish off by one reading one last scripture from Ephesians. Therefore, as Paul wrote, become imitators of God, copy him and follow his example as well-beloved, same word again, children, imitate their father and walk continually in love. That is, value one another, practice empathy and compassion, unselfishly seeking the best for others, just as Christ also loved you and gave himself up for us, an offering and sacrifice to God, slain for you uh, so that it became a sweet fragrance. Ephesians 5, 1 and 2 in the Amplified Version. Let's walk continually in love because Jesus has loved us and he's demonstrated that for us on that cross. Let's just, as we draw things to a close today, we're going to pray. And let's just bow our heads in prayer. If you're online, you maybe want to just 
and bow our head in prayer as well. And I'm pretty sure there will be people listening to this today who've never made that decision to allow God to come into the driving seat of their lives. They're still firmly planked in that driving seat, hands on the wheel, and in control. And I think God is challenging some people today to say it's time to move over into the passenger seat and to allow me to lead your life. Allow me to direct you. Allow me to guide you. Allow me to take you to places where you've never been before, to show you things that you've never seen before, to open up your understanding to things that you've never even thought about before. God wants to take you to some incredible places and to show you some incredible things in Him. And so, if you've never made that decision to allow God to come into the driving seat of your life, then you can do that today. And I want to pray a prayer to help you to get to that place where you allow God in so that that God which we're describing today, God who is spirit, God who is light, God who is love, can come and live in your heart and begin to lead your life. And so I'm going to pray a prayer and just pray this prayer after me today, quietly into yourself, and then come and let somebody know that you've prayed that prayer. God, I've spent my whole life in the driving seat, being in control, or at least I thought I was. I recognize that I've taken some wrong turns. I've went down some dead ends. And I ask today that you come into the driving seat of my life. Take control. Forgive me of my past and help me to live for you in your future. In Jesus' name, amen. And Father, we just pray for anyone who's prayed that prayer today, Lord, we pray that you give them the strength, that your spirit would come in, and that you just begin to do a work in, in their lives. Father, for us as, as the church gathered today, whether online, in person, those who are listening later on, Father, for everyone who hears this message today, Father, we pray that you would help us to put ourselves aside and to allow you to work in our lives. Father, that we would experience your love in us, that we would experience your light in us, that we would experience your spirit in us, that as you are, so we can be in this world, not because it's about our strength, but Father, that we can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. And so, Father, we are so dependent on you, and we ask that you would lead us. Every time we pray, Father, we recognize our dependence on you, and so come, strengthen us, fill us, lead us into all that you have for us this week. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. The Lord bless you. Hope you have a great day and a great week. And if you want to come and chat about anything, if you need prayer, then feel free to do that. Thank you.